If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Mean can be addictive. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online. This is the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Adu Jr. Boxing is very high up the sporting radar this weekend with many fans looking forward to the most anticipated bout of the year. Overcome any style. My will is enough to overcome any style. I'll make him quit in that ring. Cut off his head, there will be bloodshed. When I get him in there again, I'm gonna make him feel the fury. He don't want to fight, he wants to be out of here. One punch, it's all it takes. Slice out, Gypsy King, God, have mercy on us. The first fight was a thrilling draw, the second one was a fury masterclass, and on Saturday night in Las Vegas. Two of the biggest characters in boxing go at it for a third time as Fury defends his WBC heavyweight title against American Deontay Wilder. 
even in fight week, the mind games are going so strong. And we are in the United States to preview the big bout and attempt understanding the makings of Richard Crummy versus Lomachenko, slated for December 11. And World Cup 2022 qualifiers are littered across the weekend with so much in it, even though we are in the early stages. In Ghana, the Black Stars are up against Zimbabwe. And considering the shocks already around the continent, that should be interesting. We will preview the Black Stars versus Zimbabwe in what will be Coach Villavan Ryback's first game in charge since his return. We have all other World Cup qualifiers and the wraps and a proper preview to the UEFA Nations League finals between Spain and France. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts. Joy slash 99.7 on Facebook, 0551-111-997 on WhatsApp. And you can tweet us at Joy Sports GH. We'll be in Turkey to preview the Turkish Grand Prix and keep monitoring our car hearts of Oaks preparations ahead of the crucial Cup Champions League encounter with WAC. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sports. Hello from me, George Adi Jr. and welcome. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Thank you very much for staying with us on the locker room. It's definitely going to be a fantastic one tonight as we preview so much to come. Yes, I know there's boxing to come, but remember, once you are enjoying any of the topics, you can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 0551 111 997. Can we begin with the Black Stars? Because Coach Melvin Ryback will take charge of his first competitive game since his return. And uh, actually, he will be hoping that he gets that win against Zimbabwe in the 2022. Qatar World Cup qualifier in Cape Coast tomorrow. Now, the team have looked very good in training after recording a cricket scoreline against Division 1 side Stock Intellectuals. The Black Stars training has been behind closed doors and many barely have a feel of what Milo's team would look like despite having an idea of what his lineup was in that friendly. So, what should we expect on Saturday? Joining me is our correspondent in Cape Coast, Abeku Autry, who has been following the team all week. Thank you very much, Abeku, for your time on the show. And, of course, we know you've been following the Black Stars all week and you will be first to have noticed any change has anything changed significantly around the team Abeku? well george um, not much has changed significantly around the team um the team is well composed all they want to do is have their psyche up for the encounter against um uh, Zimbabwe. So nothing much has changed around the team. The team stays focused. Uh, that's all that Milovan Rajivac wanted. And um, it, it's certain that from that encounter against soccer intellectuals, we are to see more goals in the game here at the Cape Coast Sports Stadium. Nothing much has changed. It is the inclusion or the late arrival of... Um Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Jonathan Mensah, which seemed to be um, the only change um, for the Black Stars um, of, of Ghana. Uh, but significantly, nothing much has changed. The team is focused, and um, we are hoping that uh, they will know the rhythm of Milovan Rajivac and, and play just according to that. 
Well, very, very interesting with all of that. But uh, how strange has this week been for you then? Because we know the media has been shut out and <laughs> it almost feels like Milo wants some air privacy around the team. Well, this has been one strange week for me as, as, a, as a journal because um, you always would have to sneak in for information. And um, of course, at the point, you have to stay far away from the team and observe what um, I mean, they're doing. It has been a tall one for us. But for the team, I, I believe it has been a sound preparatory process for them. They've had all the privacy they need in this world, all the concentration for them to get their groove on. But for, for, for me as a Jenna, this, this has been a wild week for me because then <laughs> I would always have to be on the alert, stay at the right spot to get all the needed information to, to, to feed our listeners. So indeed, of course, it has been one strange week for us. There has been so much pressure on striker Jordan Ayew. I mean, definitely. Uh, his goal drought at club level and national team level has been overblown maybe sometimes when you think about it. But anyway, what have you read from his body language so far? Well, Jordan has been calm and uh, focused. Um, he's having fun with, with the squad and just hoping for, for luck to, to shine on him. He's been working hard, I must admit. But um, of course, his body language has been has been perfect. Of course, he, he missed the penalty in that friendly encounter against soccer intellectuals. But he's been calm. He's, he's looking forward to that encounter. Should he be selected by Milovan Rajivac to start the game or to be part of um, the guys to carry the flag high, uh, we are hoping that he finds the rhythm in, in, in that encounter. Uh, but of course, he's been he's been calm. His body language has been has been perfect. Um, he, I mean, as a striker, he'll be a little worried. The goals aren't coming, but he's he's putting his head up to the goal, and uh, we are hoping he get a goals um, on on Saturday. I think you know what it, it almost feels like we have been doing too much and saying too much about the Black Stars winning a certain friendly against soccer intellectuals by eight goals to nail. Should we be excited about that dropping? Well, I, I believe George. It's been a long time since we we, we saw the Black Stars of Ghana uh, score lots of goals, and I mean since James Christopher's time, which we did a magic against um, Egypt. It's been a long while now, so. Um, it's 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 um, it's a bit of a good news to see the Black Stars score eight goals to zero. I mean, neglecting uh, the fact that we played. I mean, the Black Stars of Ghana played against a Division One league side. Well, they're going to meet a national team, and uh, they have to produce the same magic because it's about the tempo, it's about the rhythm, it's about what you've been taught by the head coach. And um, I, I, I'm optimistic that the, the guys can get the goals. Reason why we should we should be excited already. Uh, for 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 this um, very game, Milo um, has been quite focused on the boys, and uh, he's told them they should be proud of their country. He's told them that they all need to work together, and for working together, you need to get the goals for the Black Stars. Uh, I mean, for 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 the funds of, of the Black Stars of Ghana, and that's all Cape Coast does expect. So, um, I, I think we should be a little excited about what's transpired on, on Wednesday. Well, is Coach Milo beginning to settle on the first 11 we saw in the friendly where Captain Dede Ayu out? Now, that will be a big call, but what kind of sense are you getting around uh, what kind of lineup he's likely to put out? Very difficult to tell at the moment um, because, well, he, he just came in some few days ago. He will need time to know the. Um, the starting 11 for, for the team. But um, with all the boys lifting their spread a bit high, it will make the work um, an easy one for him. I believe, you know, it will be uh, a bit of a try and, and error decision for him as to who he picks to um, be in a starting 11. But all the guys were, were, were up to the tax in the uh, friendly. I mean, it was four goals to zero in the first half. It was four goals to... Um, zero in the second half, which summed it up to eight goals to zero uh, for the friendly encounter. So everyone is giving himself out for 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 um, you know for 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 grabs. And um, for the Black Stars captain, well, he has explained that he omitted Andre because Andre needs to be managed well because of his age. So I mean, it will be um, something fantastic seeing Andre. Uh, get into shape again and into the setup for uh, the game against Zimbabwe. We hope that with the, well, the right 
you know, attitude from all the boys. Andre can lift up his performance for the Black Stars of Ghana. I think it was one of the special reasons why uh, he was given uh, special training on the shake-up day after they, 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 they trashed soccer intellectuals by eight goals to, to zero. Alec, let's end with the enthusiasm of the fans ahead of the games. Uh, we know that CAF has allowed 4,000 spectators in that Cape Coast Stadium. Are the fans willing to watch from what you have known? Of course, fans are willing to watch the Black Stars of Ghana always here at the Cape Coast Sports Stadium. The last time when it was um, 2,250, uh, you know, somewhat around that figure, a majority of the fans were not pleased. They had a lot of numbers around the stadium area all wanting to come in and they were not pleased because tickets um, got finished and uh, some had still wanted that space to to watch the black stars i i i, I speaking with some few people they are quite in, um, impressed with the announcement from CAF that of course four thousand fans will be allowed into the cape coast sports stadium um, well, I believe they will come in their numbers to share the Black Stars up. Anytime the Black Stars have been town, have been in town, um, Cape Coasters have shown their massive love, and I know it will be nothing um, of that sort on 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 Saturday, as the fans, you know, were denied access to watch the Black Stars in their training processes. They are happy, and um, they are wanting to watch the Black Stars beat Zimbabwe with a lot of goals. <laughs> Thank you very much. Abiku Autry is with the team, and we're definitely meeting you later tonight as we prepare for that final press conference and indeed the final training session. Definitely more to come. And remember, Ghana versus Zimbabwe is live on Joy 99.7. FM. we'll build up at 3 p.m. tomorrow. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Center here in the City of Angels as Premier Boxing Champions presents the featured bout of the evening. The heavyweight championship of the world is on the line. Deontay Wilder. I can overcome any style. My will is enough to overcome any style. I'll make him quit in that ring. off his head, there will be bloodshed. When I get him in there again, I'm going to make him feel the fear. He don't want to fight. He wants to be out of here. One punch is all it takes. Lights out, Gypsy King. God, have mercy on your soul. You have to nail me to the canvas. If you want to keep me down, he's out. Wow, we got off. Incredible turn of events here in the 12th. Oh, oh, the 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 It's almost here, finally. The trilogy bout between the heavyweight slicing Fury and Deontay Wilder is hours away. Saturday is the date for their pay-per-view beating, and many thought it may never come. Fury got the better of Wilder in the second bout and won the WBC heavyweight title after stopping Wilder via a technical knockout in round seven. A rematch clause was supposed to enact a third fight shortly after the second, but the pandemic hit and all plans were off. Fury and his team tried to get out of the rematch clause, citing elapsed time, but an arbitrator saw things differently and ordered Fury versus Wilder 3 to take place. Fury was in talks for a full unification contest with Anthony Joshua, but an arbitrator's ruling ended that. So, what should we expect in the ring? I'm talking about the MGM Grand. I'm joined by the BBC boxing reporter Adia Adedoin, who is in Las Vegas at the moment, and he's going to be bringing us up to speed. Thank you very much, Adia Adedoin. You know what? First, let's talk about the final press conference. How strange was that? And I know you've covered a lot of, um, you know, final press conferences in the build-up to big fights. 
tell us the story there. Yes, hello. The uh, press conference I thought was very interesting. It was very different to the build-up of their first two bouts, the one in Los Angeles in 2018 and in one in February 2020 here in Las Vegas. Uh, on those occasions, uh, both men traded insults at the press conference. Neither man wanted to give ground. Uh, this time round, Deontay Wilder was very, very subdued. And it was left to Tyson Fury, this larger-than-life character, to almost conduct the orchestra. Uh, Fury arrived at the press conference dressed in a suit with pictures of the WBC belt emblazoned on it. And he wasted no time in taunting and teasing Deontay Wilder, accusing him of being he was weak-minded after Deontay Wilder had said that the reason why he lost their last bounce was because Tyson Fury cheated. He claims that Tyson Fury's gloves were tampered with to, to give him an unfair advantage. Uh, he said that uh, the suit he wore to the ring was too heavy and he sapped the energy from his feet. He criticizes his trainer, uh, Mark Breland, who is a former Olympic champion and former world champion, and said that Breland threw the towel in too early and should have allowed him to continue. Uh, Fury uh, kept saying that that shows just how weak-minded uh, Deontay Wilder is. As for Wilder, he says he stood by everything that he said in the build-up to this fight. Uh, and he said that, you know, his mind is in a very dark place. He wants revenge. He wants retribution. Uh, he was dressed in a red tracksuit, and he said uh, that's, that's uh, to signify that he wants revenge in blood. Um, and he really didn't really want to get involved into any insults with uh, Tyson Fury, only until the end, uh, when they got into a bit of an exchange. Just after Tyson Fury had prodded him, poked him throughout the press conference verbally, I mean, uh, trying to get a reaction, he finally did. It was interesting as well that... They didn't allow them to do the face-off for fear that things could get out of control because by that point, you could sense that uh, Wilder was slightly on edge. So uh, it, it was a very interesting spectacle for sure and very, very different to, as I said, the, the press conference and the build-up to their first two bouts. Well, Ade, has the presser in itself sent the anticipation for the bout not just higher? And is Las Vegas ready for the bout? I think the presser has uh, made this fight more interesting because you don't quite know what Deontay Wilder you're going to get because the fact that he isn't being this large and, and brash character as he had been throughout his career makes you wonder, um, has he got mental scars from the fight, in that, that second fight? And what I mean by mental scars is that has he lost confidence because he went into that bout with this aura of invincibility. You know, he was the man, he was going to knock Tyson Fury out and he was dismantled. Um, and obviously, physically, he's recovered from that bounce, but it's just mentally, does it leave doubt in his mind? I spoke to his trainer, his new trainer, Malik Scott, afterwards, uh, after the press conference, and he said the reason why uh, Deontay Wilder was so subdued is because he doesn't want to waste any mental energy. They know how big a fight this is on Saturday, and they want to channel that aggression uh, in the right way. They don't want him to fight on emotion. They want him to fight with his head, with his brain. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely made things more interesting. As for Tyson Fury, the odds makers have him as uh, the favourites going into uh, this bounce on Saturday night. And he's certainly behaving like one uh, uh, here in Vegas so far. Are to the bout? Uh, Fury's control of the distance and the gate of the danger of Wilder's devastating right hand throughout the majority of the contests. Now, with the fidgety feints, upper body movement and the occupancy of Wilder's right hand, Fury was able to stay out of trouble for all but a couple of exchanges in the fight. Can Fury continue to control the distance, though, in this one? Yeah, so Tyson Fury's great strength is his technical ability. I was very fortunate to be in Düsseldorf when he first won the world title against Vladimir Klitschko. It wasn't the most exciting fight you'll ever see, but he used his distance to great effect in that he nullified uh, the attack from Vladimir Klitschko. And, you know, it's incredible that he's able to do that when you consider that he's such a, a big man. And I think that's going to be the challenge once again for Deontay Wilder, how to get close without getting nailed by Tyson's punches. Um, he executed his game plan perfectly last time uh, because they talk a lot about Deontay Wilder's power, his right hand. But with his distance, as you say, he was able to negate that right hand. And I think uh, that's the strategy that Tyson Fury is going to employ going into this fight. And his trainer, uh, Sugar Hill, who is the nephew of the uh, former uh, coach, Emmanuel Stewart, a, a legendary coach, he said they've worked even further on that strategy. So, And they expect more of the same on Saturday night. Adi, with all the reliance on landing the desired right hand, Wilder needs to be thoughtful in his use of the jab to open up the angles and opportunities to land his most devastating weapon, I would imagine. Well, will Wilder's jab improve? 
do you think it has improved and uh, is that an opening there for the right hand to be used effectively worldwide is uh, jab improved this is an interesting question because he sacked his coach uh, mark breland after the last bout now breland was a former olympic champion as i say a former world champion and a technically very very gifted fighter he's gone with malik scott the interesting about interesting thing about malik scott is that he was a former fighter himself he actually faced Deontay Wilder, and Wilder knocked him out in about 96 seconds. Inside the first round, he knocked him out. Uh, he's never had experience coaching uh, fighters, certainly not at this level. And it makes you wonder, you know, he says all the right things, uh, and I interviewed him at the press conference, and he said all the right things in terms of strategy. But you wonder, does he have the experience to actually make uh, Deontay Wilder do the things he wants? Use the jab, use the movement. And, you know, Deontay Wilder's deep into his career now. Can you teach an old dog new tricks? I think that's going to be the interesting thing. And also the interaction uh, in the corners between the rounds. Because when things get hot in that, in, in the fight, you need someone who can give you clear instructions that you're going to listen to, a clear game plan, a clear game plan that you can stick to. And you just have to wonder, is, is um, Malik Scott that guy? Well, you know, we'll find out on Saturday night. But it is a big gamble bringing in someone who is as inexperienced as a trainer as Malik Scott for such a big fight. And is it fair to say Wilder has done the right things in correcting his wrongs? Has Wilder done the right things in correcting his wrongs? Well, we'll find out on Saturday night. I, mean, I think the interesting part of this is that he has never publicly acknowledged that he was beaten by the better man. He keeps saying that he lost that fight because Tyson Fury cheated. Tyson Fury had loaded gloves. Now, in his quiet moment, surely he's got to sit there and think, he beat me. And what do I need to do to change the outcome? If he doesn't have those moments, then how is he going to prepare differently for the rematch? I think that's another interesting aspect of this fight. Is he saying all these things that, you know, about Tyson Fury cheating and, uh, and making all these accusations? Accusations are unsubstantiated, by the way. There's no proof in any of this. And generally, the boxing public don't think that Tyson Fury cheated at all. Um, but does, does Wilder really, really believe in that? Does he really believe that Tyson Fury cheated? Because if he does, and he doesn't change his approach, then surely the fight's going to play out the same way. And I think that's an interesting dynamic going into this fight. And I'm sure there's a big question many of the fans are trying to answer, Adi. Does Tyson Fury stand the chance of knocking out Wilder this time again? I think Fury stands a very good chance of knocking Wilder out once again because you don't have to be a big, big puncher. You look at um, Anthony Joshua's last bout against Alexander Usyk. Usyk isn't a big puncher, but he kept peppering Joshua with the jab throughout the bout, and after a while, the jab started to take its toll. Tyson Fury, as we've talked about, has a very good jab. He will keep peppering uh, Deontay Wilder. He will be aggressive throughout the fight. And... Um, yeah, I think if he wears down Deontay Wilder with the jab, just like he did in the first fight, um, yeah, he could knock him out. He showed he's got the power to do it. Um, the, the onus, as I say, is going to be on Deontay Wilder to try and negate that jab and prevent himself uh, falling into the same patterns that he did in the first fight, which resulted in him being stopped. Well, Ade, what does this bout mean to the heavyweight division? It's all mixed up there. It's all mashed up there. Knowing that Anthony Joshua lost his belt uh, to the Ukrainian Alexander Uzik. This is a very interesting bout as far as the heavyweight division is concerned because, what is it, six, eight months ago we were talking about the possible unification bout between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. Uh, everything seems to have changed, doesn't it? Joshua lost his title to Usyk. He's got a rematch with Usyk, I think, sometime next year between February and March. Imagine if Deontay Wilder does pull this off because for everything I've said so far, don't write off Deontay Wilder because you're talking about a man who is a very, very hard puncher. And he's been in fights before. Uh, I've seen him up close at ringside. Uh, for example, when he fought Ortiz, Luis Ortiz in Brooklyn. I was ringside that night. He was losing the fight. One punch is all it took just to turn it around. He has that kind of power. Um, and imagine if he manages to pull it off, it would really blow the heavyweight division wide open. I think it's going to be hard for him to do, and I think he has to make the bigger adjustment of the two fighters. But it certainly makes the heavyweight division very interesting because for so long we were talking about it being the three of them, uh, Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. You add Alexander Usyk into that mix, and it certainly makes the division more vibrant. Well, there's a place where I get to push you to the wall, and uh, I, I, I get to do this very, very hard. I've got to do this now. Tell me, 
what is your prediction for this one? I know you, you love to talk a lot about your first intake. I mean, I know you love to talk a lot about your first instincts. So, uh, where is this going? I think, for, in terms of prediction, I have to go with my first instinct. And my first instinct uh, when they made this trilogy fight was that Fury would be too much for him. Uh, because Fury is just a better technical fighter. Uh, you, you, you made the point earlier that Fury has got a great jab and is able to create distance, and I think he'll do the same again. I think uh, Deontay Wilder is over-reliant on his big right hand, and when you take that right hand away, when he couldn't land it on Tyson Fury, um, you saw what happened in the last fight. So um, I think it'll be an interesting fight, a fun fight. Uh, he can definitely win it, Deontay Wilder, as I say. Don't underestimate this, guy, this guy's power. And also, don't underestimate the fact that he knows deep down, if he loses this one, his career won't be over. But it's a long way to climb back up to the top. So he's going to be very determined, as Deontay Wilder. But I just think with Tyson Fury's technical ability and also Tyson Fury's chin, remember, Wilder did nail him in the first fight in Los, in, uh, Los Angeles and he got up, I think, with his technical ability and the, this chin, the fact that he is just, you know, he can absorb a punch. I think he wins. I think he wins by late stoppage. Ali Adidoin, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. We'll be looking forward to the action in the MGM Grand on Saturday night. Well, there's more boxing on the show, and we could see a Ghanaian back under the lights in the ring on the grand stage. Two former lightweight title holders will collide on December 11 with ESPN reporting that Vasily Lomachenko has agreed to terms with Richard Comey for a fight to be held at the Madison Square Garden. Lomachenko last fought in June, thoroughly dominating Masayoshi Nakatani. And routes to a ninth round stoppage. It was really quite a spectacular performance from Lomacheco coming off from his loss. Of, I mean, his loss to Tiafibo Lopez, who previously struggled against uh, Nakatani. Now, Comey made his last appearance in February, knocking out Jackson Marinez. Very important, setting up this big opportunity here. This particular time slot will bring plenty of eyeballs, and the winner will surely be in line to contend for a world title soon thereafter. So, let's get a bit of perspective right now. And I'm being joined by international boxing ring announcer and our boxing expert here, Joyce Boston, Clando Arthur. Now, thank you very much for your time on the show as always. So, I know you've been speaking to the Comic Camp. Do you get a sense they would like to involve the Ghanaian media this time? Certainly, there's a blackout in the last major bout. Thanks, George. Glad to be here. Now, I wouldn't want to see this as a blackout. I'd want to see this as one of those blunders in putting things together when uh, big days like these are approaching. I'd want to see this as... Um, something that was not done deliberately on the part of the camp of uh, Richard Comey. Uh, in going forward, I believe that uh, Comey's camp wouldn't have a choice but to involve Ghanaian media. Let's remember that um, at this point, the media, local media becomes very, very strong in pushing the agenda of one sportsman or the other when big days like these are approaching. And Comey cannot rely on the foreign media to tell his story for him. Kome has to rely on the local media who have strength and the ability to penetrate all the spaces internationally to do that for him. So um, I'm looking forward to bigger collaboration. I'm looking forward to uh, the realization that, hey, we need to work from home and we need to do this from home. Um, once that is done, then we can move forward and start achieving great things together. Um, you know, like it is always said, you cannot rely on a BBC or a CNN to tell your story for you. You have to tell the story yourself. And so from our point of view, I'd like to see that happen. I would like to see some deliberate steps taken, um, you know, along those lines so that there is bigger collaboration, there's more information share, and there's bigger dissemination through all the uh, powerful and important channels because I believe that so far, Richard Comey, but for that issue that he had with the Ghana Boxing Authority, has told a good story so far when it comes to his personality and uh, the journey that he's traveled in boxing. And it is important that these virtues and these positives are highlighted in helping to push his brand and his image forward. Remember that boxing, like other aspects of endeavor, remain or remain very heavily glued to brands or hinges or grows very heavily on brands therefore he also has a duty to himself to ensure that this brand which he's grown over the years is put there in the faces of those who need to see so that he can maximize uh, the uh, potential from there now how big is this bout for richard coming knowing that 
um, they were worthy opponents. And indeed, why did Loma opt for Richard Coving? Well, George, considering the circumstances, this is about the best that Kome can get. Let's remember that this kind of fixture itself was one that was supposed to happen earlier. Let's remember that there was an April date about two years ago uh, for both boxers to, to clash and um, eventually it didn't come off. So this is something that has been on the plate for some time now. And I believe that this is a good time for the two boxers to, to clash. So we see who makes it uh, through to the next stage. Now, let's remember that for Lomachenko himself, this is about the best deal that he could get in the sense that he is coming from, you know, holding on to three titles. Now, he has lost to a boxer who now has all the four major titles in the division. Now, he comes to fight a former world champion at a time when he himself is ranked number one on the WBC and WBO rankings. So in terms of putting everything on the plate and doing an analysis, you'd realize that qualitatively, Lomachenko is way ahead of everybody because if um, after taking up a tune-up bout, he goes to fight a former world champion and he is successful, then of course, uh, he makes a bigger case uh, for himself to vie for those titles. Let's remember that there's a lot of competition around as well. Therefore, um, all the camps are working at it. All the, uh, you know, all the, the, the managers, boxer managers are working at it, making sure that they could slip their boxers in there to have a bite at the cherry. So it's not an easy thing. Uh, for Kome, obviously, he tasted world title glory for a first time. He lost under the same circumstances that he won. He's had a tune-up bout. It's gone very, very well. He looked very, very good against Jackson Marines. But away from that, you do not want to fight the Jackson Marines of this world all the time. You need to step up the plate and you need to get people who have big brands and who have big names and who can command the numbers. Because at the end of the day, that is what it also boils down to. Those who command the numbers and those who command interest among uh, the fans all over the world. And so a Kome Lomachenko fixture is a perfect one that will draw that kind of attention, considering the fact that these two boxers have the pedigree, um, you know, the pedigree that is required to make a big bout. So this is a very good one. Um, I believe that uh, this is a crossroad for Kome in his career. If he's able to get this right, we all know what will be in it for him, you know, in the division and in, in boxing in general. Well, Matt, you have experience in these things. I'm sure you've gone through the processes. You understand where, where these things are. Tell me, uh, how far are we from the eventual fight? I mean, how far are we from it? What needs to take place before everything is set? Well, we still have some time to go before December. Uh, the kind of feedback that I got from inside the camp is that not all the T's have been crossed, not all the I's have been dotted because of that. You'd know, I mean, you want to believe that there is still some amount of work to be done. Uh, all the major things that require, uh, you know, for publicity have been done, which is to announce that both boxers have agreed in principle uh, to state the fight. So at the end of the day, what is important is that both boxers sign the contract, a contract which will obviously have a date, a certified date and a venue. And of course, we'll have uh, purses and all of that. And once all of those are agreed on by both camps and signatures go to paper, then we have a fight. So truth of the matter is that even at this point, anything can happen. Even at this point where we seem to have an 80% confirmation, anything can happen towards the negative because, I mean, we've seen such scenarios before, okay? I mean, even on the days when a full contract has been signed, uh, injury can force a boxer out, uh, you know, there can be force majeures and all of that. So let's let's see how uh, it goes. I'm just hoping that within the next two or three weeks, every other thing will be sorted out so that we see this fight because we need to see this fight because it has a very big bearing on what happens in the lightweight division going forward. Thank you very much, Nat, for your time. And we look forward to the bout.
Radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. And it's lights out, away we go. Lando Norris does get away very well. Danny Ricciardo too. And Norris now leads George Russell, who's ahead of Carlos Sainz with Ricciardo coming up alongside him. And Sainz is getting a good slipstream. Hamilton trying to go down the inside. Into the first breaking zone we go. Carlos Sainz locks up, going straight on. It's Fernando is going to become the first ever driver to reach 100 victories in Formula One. Uh, Brazil and their amazing world champions have only ever produced 106 victories between them. Hamilton is going to get 100. He came into this race as a gladiator. He finds the chequered flag as a centurion. Lewis Hamilton, it's 100 race victories. He wins the Russian Grand Prix and he retakes the championship lead. Formula 1 next on the show and Mercedes Lewis Hamilton took his 100th Formula 1 win after frantic last few laps in a heavy rain dashed Lando Norris's hopes of a maiden victory. Norris who took his first pole position in qualifying was leading with five laps to go in the McLaren when it started to rain and he decided changing his tyres. Well the rain helped Hamilton's title contender Red Bull's Max Verstappen vault from 7th to 2nd after perfectly timing his change to wet tyres. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen are split by just two points heading into the Texas Grand Prix, the first of seven races to finish 2021 season. Uh, of course, you know, we'll be paying attention to qualifying on Saturday and we'll be ready for the race on Sunday. But it's a good time now to try and get some perspective on what is to come in Turkey. And joining us right now is a Formula 1 expert, Raymond Yamada. Raymond, it's been a while. Thank you very much for your time. You are close to Silverstone, at least at now, <laughs> at the moment. But look, Hamilton seems to have had the upper hand over Verstappen in the last few races. Now, heading into the Texas Grand Prix, Hamilton sits ahead of the Dutch racer with two points. Istanbul Park is regarded as one of those more conventional F1 circuits. Do you see that playing any role in the race standings following the race end? Going into this weekend's race, I think that it's going to be a very interesting weekend in Formula 1 because you have two front runners going head-to-head once again. Uh, in another contest, and uh, you look at the Istanbul Park circuit, certainly a very tricky one, of course. Uh, not to forget about the 10-8, which is called the uh, Diabolic, where you have a triple apex 180 corner. That's quite a tricky one, but you do have some straights on there, yeah, about 14 corners to navigate in the course of the race, and that promises to be very tricky for every driver who actually races on that circuit. But that said, I think that you look at uh, Lewis Hamilton and his performance at Sochi. Definitely, uh, he's dominated at Sochi over the last few years. Uh, you look at, you know, how he's been able to, you know, claw back the points difference um, after Max Verstappen started the season very well. I think that this is a race you would fancy him to win. Uh, I'm looking at his record on the Istanbul Park circuit. He won there in 2010. He won there, you know, in the return in 2020. And so you would expect that he would have a lot of experience when it comes to, you know, driving on that circuit. But he comes up against a driver who has the fastest car on the circuit this season. And Max Verstappen, without doubt, is an outright favorite to win this one, especially when you look at, you know, the ability of his vehicle, the the ability of his car is absolutely fantastic. On the tents, he does have a strategy that helps him you know, get a lot of speed ahead of his compatriots or ahead of his challenges. And so that in itself is an advantage for him. And they do have some fantastic streets on the Turkish circuit. And that again places Max Verstappen. Max Verstappen does have the speed to be able to, you know, go past everybody who tries to chase him. And so it's going to be a very interesting one. I think that if Max Verstappen um, sets the pace, if he takes off ahead of Lewis Hamilton and all the other drivers, then He's definitely in poor position to win in this one, especially on the streets. He's very difficult to cut because Red Bull do have the fastest car. And so, you know, it's difficult to see how Lewis Hamilton is going to find his way around this one. I think that it's going to be very difficult uh, for both drivers. But looking at the ability of the Red Bull chassis, I think that Max Verstappen being the driver he is, he should be able to, you know, get another win for Team Red Bull this weekend. So, a very tricky race, but... You can count on Red Bull and Max Verstappen to win their first race since their last win in Netherlands. Well, Raymond, Verstappen is no doubt going big for Red Bull. Now, however, the disappointment in the ranks with Sergio Perez, who really, uh, you know, kind of has not exactly impressed us here. 
with Bottas's capability of holding his own, do you see Perez's underperformance causing Red Bull the Constructors' Championship? George, the Constructors' table is, is looking very interesting. And you look at the point difference between both Constructors. Uh, Mercedes are leading with 33 points. Uh, Red Bull certainly not out of it yet, with seven races to go. It can be anybody's game. Uh, and you look at the fact that um, Sergio Perez really hasn't performed. Yeah, I think that he hasn't performed, but he is a good driver. He hasn't performed simply because he's driving a car that's suited to the driving abilities of Max Verstappen. Two drivers are different in their own way, and they all have their approaches to you know, how they attack the circuit. But I think that, um, to be fair to Sergio Perez, he doesn't have a car that suits his driving abilities, and so he would always struggle. But that said, I think that Max Verstappen has been crucial to everything Red Bull have done this season. He's been part of, you know, the technical team that actually evaluate the car and come up with the changes. And so we see Sergio Perez having a car that would have to undergo a lot of changes, a lot of modifications that Red Bull would want to do. They would actually try it out on his car number two. And so Red Bull do have car number one and car number two. That seems to be the disadvantage for Sergio Perez. But that said, I think that for Mercedes, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas have been driving all these years, uh, since 2015, uh, and you look at the cars they drive, both drivers have equal vehicles, and so on the, on the, on the circuit, both drivers can actually have a goal. So Mercedes don't have car number one, car number two, all their cars are equal, and so you can understand why Mercedes do dominate, especially with both drivers having the same car, the same function and driving up to the best of their abilities. And so that has been to their advantage. But what could play out in the course of the season is that Mercedes have had Valtteri Bottas change his engine. Red Bull have also had um, Max Verstappen change his engine. Perez has also changed his engine. Lewis Hamilton hasn't had an engine change yet. And so in the course of the season, with seven races to go, anything is possible. And at a point in time where Lewis Hamilton capitulates or has problems with the engine, then you can expect Red Bull to actually have a go at them. And so it's not done yet, uh, despite the fact that Red Bull are leading. I still think that there's a lot more to play for or to drive for in that Constructors' Championship. And um, I think we should keep our fingers crossed because there's still more drama yet to unfold in the course of the season. And so let's look at the reliability of the engines. If Red Bull are able to hold on to their engine, then if, if nothing happens uh, to Mercedes, then Mercedes could run away with it. But if Mercedes should have issues with the engine, then you can expect Red Bull with a more reliable engine, having had been engine changes to actually go past Mercedes in the constructors title. But I think that um, it's still in the hands of Mercedes. They have it all to do and it's theirs to lose. Well, Raymond McLaren versus Ferrari has been a side story in F1 this year. Flandre Norris has been leading the charge for McLaren this year and was only recently joined by Ricciardo, who held his own, of course, and they, uh, just right there with his unexpected Monza victory. Ferrari, however, also had the case, and you can say, of a more conventional second, getting somehow playing in their favour. Which of the two do you see coming on top at the end of the season? McLaren-Ferrari battle has been interesting this season. Both drivers um, for both sets of cars have actually shown a lot of promise, they've shown a lot of potential. But I think that McLaren have had the upper hand simply because they have built their car uh, to go with a lot of pace. Uh, it's one of the quickest cars on the circuit. And they have actually um, taken advantage of their speed on the streets. That has been the problem for Team Ferrari. And so you look at how they've performed. Uh, a lot of their performance, a lot of their brilliant performance has been down to how fast they've been, you know, on the circuit, especially on the streets. That has been the advantage for Team uh, McLaren. Uh, that said, I think that Ferrari did start the season well. Uh, but for their fuel flow sensor issues with the FIA, I think once those issues were sorted out, Ferrari seemed to have lost a bit of peace. Um, I think that uh, both drivers, Sainz and Leclerc, have done what they can. Uh, but you look at the problems of Ferrari, started from last season and came back into this season. They do have issues with their engine and until they sort that out, I think that they will be in the shadows of the Red Bulls and Mercedes and even the McLarens. I think that so for this season, it's a straight race. Uh, that uh, McLaren have won. I think that McLaren have done very well. Lando Norris, Ricciardo, uh, Ricciardo won in Monza. Lando Norris has had some fantastic drives. I think that uh, McLaren clearly uh, have dominated over Ferrari. And certainly, uh, come end of season, we still expect McLaren to be on top. Thank you very much, Raymond Yamada, for your time on the show as always. And it's a big one coming up.
Radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Well, it's now time to get into the Joyce Sports BBC. Well, it's now time to get into the Joyce Sports BBC two-way series. And as always, I great opportunity to have spoken again to John Bennett, who's joining us uh, for the first time, I mean, since the season began. And it's absolutely great stuff. Well, John, a Saudi-led consortium has made a £300 million bid to buy the Premier League club Newcastle United. We, we've been going back and forth on this, John, really. But the issues around the Gulf states, human rights record may see the bid fail. What's the latest? Well, it's been celebrations in Newcastle over the last 24 hours or so. This Saudi Arabian-backed £305 million takeover of Newcastle United. It's been... Completed. Uh, the Premier League has approved this takeover after receiving what they say are legally binding assurances that the Saudi state would not control the club. It's quite complicated, but according to the Premier League, the Public Investment Fund, known as PIF, which will provide 80% of funds for the deal, is seen as separate to the Saudi state. And that's despite the fact that the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia, Mohammed bin Salman, is listed as chair of the, the PIF. But the sale went through after the deal passed the Premier League's owners and directors test. This has been going on behind the scenes for a long time, but in the last week, that it's just emerged at a pace that this takeover would be completed. And the reason the Newcastle fans are celebrating, of course, is because this ends Mike Ashley's 14-year spell as Newcastle United owner. It's been pretty depressing, to be honest, to go to watch Newcastle games in the last few years. What could be an amazing club has turned into a shell of a club, really, and the atmosphere has not been as great as it normally would be because the fans were just so sick of the lack of investment from Mike Ashley. But you're, you're correct that there is a lot of controversy about this, this takeover because the Saudi Arabian state has been accused of human rights abuses. But the Premier League is saying, with the majority owner PIF deemed to be a separate entity... Um, then that's no longer an impediment to the takeover in the Premier League's view. But that has not stopped people talking about the controversy. And Amanda Staveley, who's been part of this takeover, the PCP Capital Chief Executive, she's taking a seat on Newcastle's board. She's been speaking to the BBC sports editor, Dan Rowan. And when asked if this was a case of sports washing by Saudi Arabia... She said, no, not at all. This is very much about the PIF's investment into a fantastic football team. We look forward to growing the club. So that won't end the controversy. But if we just stick to football, the Newcastle fans will be absolutely delighted that there will be some investment in the club. Uh, maybe not in the next two or three years, but possibly after that, we could see Newcastle now challenging, not just for the top four, but maybe challenging for the Premier League. We, we've seen these things. They take a while. It took a while for Manchester City didn't it, to, to develop into a club that could really challenge. But I think in the next few years, they're going to throw a lot of money at the squad, at the coaching staff, and this could really build, in football terms, into something special at Newcastle. Tell us talk about the UEFA Nations League because it was great. Spain beat Italy. Great fashion <laughs> to end their series on beating one. And Enrique masterminding a marvellous project with a Spanish side, many believe, uh, was finished post the Russia World John, what a game we saw in the other semi-final then, just last night, France and Belgium. What did you make of it and what do you expect in the final? The World Cup qualifiers across Europe aren't thrilling, I have to admit, on Saturday. I do like the look of Switzerland against Northern Ireland in Group C. That's a game that could provide a few twists and turns. Italy atop of that group, miles ahead of Switzerland. But Switzerland have two games in hand, so there's six points behind Italy, but they have two games in hand. And we know that Northern Ireland provide a stern test for teams. That They're a difficult team to play against, particularly when they're the underdogs. They're a very dangerous team to play against. And England, they should rack up the goals, I think, against Andorra. For me, it's the African World Cup qualifiers that are the, that are the most interesting. And one really sticks out for me on Sunday. The Nigeria head coach, Gernot Raw, under huge pressure. Nigeria is still top of their group by two points but a shock defeat on Thursday to Central African Republic in Lagos 
So they lost 1-0, a late goal, probably Central African Republic's only real effort on goal, but it went in, they lost the game. Now Nigeria play them again away from home on Sunday. So that, to me, feels like a huge game for the future of the Nigeria boss, Gernot Royal, with the Cup of Nations coming up and hopefully for Nigeria, a World Cup coming up as well next year. But the, the game to really look forward to in international football this weekend isn't a World Cup qualifier. It's the chance to win an international trophy. It's the Nations League final between the 2010 World Cup winners Spain and the 2018 World Champions France. Remember this competition brought in to add more meaningful games to the European international match calendar. And the semi-finals were fantastic. They certainly proved that aim to be correct. Uh, at San Siro in Milan, we saw Spain win 2-1 against Italy. They got revenge for their defeat in the semi-finals of the Euros. The best game, though, was Belgium against France. Belgium taking a 2-0 lead. France fighting back. Goals from Benzema and Mbappe from the penalty spot. And Hernandez, Theo Hernandez, that is, because his brother was also playing in that game. So a really impressive 3-2 win. And I think that's some much-needed belief for France ahead of World Cup year next year. But of course now they have to deliver in the final against Spain. And I really like the look of this promising young Spain side. Luis Enrique not afraid to throw youngsters in against Italy. Barcelona's 17-year-old Gavi became the youngest ever player to, to play for the Spanish national team. So it's a thrilling final to look forward to on Sunday. So yes, some good World Cup qualifiers over the weekend, but the best game I think will be the Nations League final. Thank you very much, John, for your time on the show, as always. And indeed, it's great to have you on side all the time. And indeed, we have to say a big thank you to all of you for joining us on The Locker Room this evening. There's certainly more coming up. You need to watch out for uh, Twitter Spaces, Joy Sports. And I'm talking about uh, Joy Sports GH, very important. And we remember to tell you that the... Ghana versus Zimbabwe game is live on Saturday. That's what you know. You have to join us at 3pm for build-up. And we've got full match commentary for you there. Also important to follow all our programs uh, from the sports review to sports arena to everything that we got for you uh, this weekend. It's so much. We're bringing you all the action from Cape Coast and how Milovan Ryavach is going to be handling it. My name is George Adder Jr. again. Uh, heavily supported by Michelle Queno, who is the uh, producer for Locker Room and indeed the entire Joy Sports team. Till we meet again next week and enjoy ourselves talking about what is to come. But I must say, have a fantastic weekend and be great. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC World Service. Fans, they are go pay tomorrow. Fans, the money no be problem. Fans, they will go score you. Fans, the sports fans. Bet of Africa is an online sports betting experience that gives you the chance to turn your game and player predictions to wins. All you have to do is register an account with Bet of Africa and get your first bet free. You also get 100% on first deposit up to 1,000 Ghana cities. Bet of Africa, day your corner, your ring, your center circle, your goalpost, your pocket. With Bet of Africa, there's more to every game because when their teams win, they win. Download the app now and stand the chance to win with your team. Choose Bet of Africa. Terms and conditions apply. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. Bet responsibly, not for persons below 18 years. Gaming can be addictive. Joy 99.7 FM, radio for the discerning listener. Yes, you're listening to Joel 99.7 FM. Before DJ Black takes over with the weekend warmer, we're bringing you an interview noted to your host of Ultimate Health Heart with Mr. Olayinka Suber, Pfizer Nigeria country manager and cluster lead for West Africa as they embark on their customer focus campaign. Interesting.